Welcome to Think Podcast. In this episode, we sit down with Brendan from MasterTalk and discuss how we can all become better communicators and speakers. Brendan, welcome, mate. How are you? Good, Kulraj. How are you? I'm I'm well. I'm well. I'm getting on. So uh, thanks for uh, coming on. I thought your background was really interesting. Um, Why don't you introduce yourself for us? Yeah, for sure. Happy to. So yeah, my name's Brendan. I'm the founder of Master Talk. Master Talk is a YouTube channel, like coaching practice I started to help the world master communication. But how I got started was in college, Cool Raj. So I went to business school and I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age were playing rugby or baseball or basketball. I wasn't one of those guys. I did presentations competitively. That's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, I started coaching a lot of the students, mostly for free back then, just to help them. And that's what led to the YouTube channel, because I felt that everything I was sharing with them wasn't available for free. So you started in college. What sort of got you into wanting to do that? Were you, not a very, were you always a great speaker when you were a kid? Were you not a great speaker? What sort of led you to thinking, this is something I really want to do? For sure. So when I was younger, I was a terrible speaker. And the reason, Cool Raj, was because I was, I'm born and raised in a city called Montreal in Canada. And for those who don't know, Montreal is a city that you need to know how to speak French, which is a language I did not know. So my whole life, not only did I struggle with presentations, I actually had to present in a language I didn't even know, Cool Raj. So that was a big struggle. The second one is my left arm, which is crooked. And the reason it's crooked is because of a surgery I had when I was younger. So because of that, I had a lot of social anxiety as a kid because I had these big, a big cast on. And then you would think that a communication expert studied communication. Yeah, I got a bachelor's degree in accounting. So the goal for me was never to be a speaker. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. I just did case competitions out of necessity, Kulraj, because I felt and I learned actually that a lot of the people who had jobs in companies I wanted to work at or work for had done these case competitions. Okay. So something that helped you kind of, um, it was almost like a, a self-improvement, an avenue towards self-improvement for you. Yeah. Cool. In other words, it was an accident. <laughs> good, good, good. So for those of us then, like yourself, who are not gifted at um, public speaking naturally, we all want to become better speakers. Where, where do I start? Is there a typical starting point? For sure. So for me, Kouraj, the starting point is acknowledging the following. Communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. And so one of those balls is eye contact, one of them is facial expressions, one of them is body language, storytelling, and the list goes on. And it can get really confusing for people. That's why for me, the question has become, what are the three easiest balls to chuckle in the air? And if we focus on those three, which I'll list one at a time, we can master communication and build that momentum. Similar to how in fitness, yeah, sure, we can look at the diet plans all day, but if we're not walking 15 minutes a day, we probably don't need to look at the diet plan. That's why step one for us is the random word exercise. Pick a random word like computer screen, like light bulb, like cup, and create random presentations out of thin air with that word. Two reasons why. The first one is it helps you deal with uncertainty. A lot of our life is uncertain. A great example, that is small talk. When you talk to a stranger, you don't know where the conversation is going to go. So learning to deal with uncertainty helps. And the second reason is if you can make sense out of nonsense, you could make sense out of anything. Yeah, I've seen a little video on your um, website, website, YouTube channel um, around the random word exercise and things like that you can incorporate. Cool. 
So, so I think a lot of us have a fear of public speaking or communicating our thoughts as we'd want to. Where do you think that fear comes from and what can we do to get over that? Yeah, great question, man. So if you had asked me that question a few years ago, I probably would have given you a really bad answer. I said, I don't know, San Diego is where it comes from. But the, but the truth is, is that there's actually a reason why we're scared of communication. It's actually really normal if you think about it. Where do we learn how to give formal presentations? The answer for all of us is the education system. Elementary school, high school, college. But there's three fundamental problems with all of those presentations, Kulraj. One, they're all mandatory. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, oh my God, Kulraj, let's get breakfast and present all day, man. Nobody says that. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is in elementary school and high school, you're never presenting something you actually care about. It has to be something that they pick for you. So it's never, hey, what are you excited about? Couches, podcasting, lifestyle. No, you got to talk about Shakespeare and poetry. Then after you've done that, Cole Raj, you got to talk about the history of Missouri. And you're like, I don't live in Missouri, but that's what you got to do. And then number three, every presentation is tied to a punishment. So not only do, if you don't do a good job, you don't get a pat on the back, you get a slap in the face. You lose like 25% of your grade. So we grow up believing, Kulraj, that communication is a chore. So it becomes one and nobody wants to get better at doing the dishes. And we grow up not really being able to communicate about something that we're passionate about. So if you suggest from that, that if we can find something to maybe practice on that we're passionate about, we'll probably be better communicators. Would that be right? 1000%. And the other piece as well is the random word exercise. That's an easy thing people can do every day, right? Pick cup, pick trophy. And at the beginning, it's scary. You're like, oh my God. But if you have a kid or a niece or a nephew near you, and you give a five-year-old that random word exercise, they're not going to sit there and ponder what other people think of them. They go, oh, turnip? Yeah, turnip is a vegetable. And then they just do it. And that's yeah. the same like mentality we want to bring to communication. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. You know, in one of the YouTube videos, you say that, you should, I may have misunderstood this, but you say um, people should prioritize one type of communication first. Maybe you pick presentations or on camera speaking, speeches or conversations. And then once you've mastered one, the rest will follow naturally. And I'm wondering how is it that picking one will allow you to master the rest? Are they, not, are they not all different? Great question, Kulraj. And you understood that perfectly actually so well said so let me just add a little bit of nuance that you can't really get from a youtube video you can only get from talking to me right so so here's the thing communication is like a domino effect so as we get better in one specific area of communication it will automatically make us better but there's one nuance there it won't make us a master of everything else of course not that's a false expectation but what it will do is it'll definitely make us better example let's take the random word exercise so the random word exercise, I know I brought it up a lot, but repetition is key. But the big problem is nobody does it. Like I might say it on a podcast or in a presentation. I'll, I'll yell my heart out and nobody will do it every day. But the benefit of that is that it's not just about presenting. Let's say you're in a boardroom and somebody asks you a question. You have to, oh my God, I have to make something up. So you get better at that skill, but you also get better at small talk. You also get better at asking questions. And these things start to trickle over. Another example. When you start to smile more effectively in presentations, you won't just do it in presentations, Kulraj. You'll also start to do it a little bit more in conversations. 
you'll start to do it a little bit more in one-on-one, one-to-many, and you'll start to apply those principles over time. But the point that you mentioned is 100% correct. I would not move on to ball number two, which is the question drill, or ball number three, the video message, until I've done the random word exercise 100 times, which actually doesn't take that long. If you do it five minutes a day, it only takes five minutes to do it five times. Do it for three weeks, that way you get to 100, and then you can move on to the next exercise. That's brilliant. Really good. I, I mean, communication is a, a dynamic process. You know, I found when I've done presentations before, I don't always finish out the way that I intended to. I am really terrible at reading audience reactions if I'm giving a presentation, if I'm having a conversation just regularly with someone. Um, I, I may have an idea in my head of what I want to say to them, but it never, it never really finishes the way I want to start out. And often I'll alter my direction depending on what I read from them, you know? So have you got any tips for um, how to, well, learn how to read a room or, or read a, an audience or, or just navigating conversations that just never really turn out the way you want them to? Right. So there's a couple of pieces you jumped on, Kuraj. One is how do we build a better relationship with our audience? And another one, which is very different, how do we build a relationship with one-on-one -on -one conversations, coffees? We're talking to people, we're asking them questions. So let's tackle both. Let's start with the one-on-one -on -one conversations. Here's what I always recommend. It's really difficult to build strong rapport with everybody. You know, for some reason, and it doesn't even have to do with like them being a bad person or anything like that. It's just an energy. It's a feeling. Like me and you are on the same energy length. And that's not something you can really explain. And there's other people you meet and you just go, wow, like, I feel like I already know you. Why is that? Right? Those, those are things we can't control. So my advice is start by getting better at conversations with people you already like. And the best way to do this is actually really simple. Make a list of questions that you wished other people asked you and just ask that of other people. So for me, the questions I wish people asked me, not in a podcast setting, but let's say I mean you were getting coffee or something. I don't want people to ask me about the weather, cool, Raj. I don't care about the weather. Just look outside. That's what it is, right? Or like, uh, what do you do for a living? Like, how was your day? Like, cool. Yeah, whatever. But I think for me, the questions I want to hear is like, what are you passionate about? What are you the most excited about? What's the biggest lesson you learned about yourself this year? So I'm very like personal development junkie. So those are the questions that I ask other people. So I, I naturally attract those people in my life. So I would start the conversation there and just build up your conversational ability from that. The last piece is how do you do that with your audience? The answer is really simple. It's just most people don't do it. Do the same exercise, but with your audience. Have dinner long conversations, get to know them, understand their objections, understand the emotions they're going through. So it makes it easier for you to engage with them in the front end. Understand the emotions that they're going through. So for me, it's probably, for me, when I've, when I've delivered presentations, I look at a room, I read their face, and I think to myself, maybe I'm just jumping to the worst conclusions. I think I know what emotions they're, that they're going through, but uh, I'm probably reading the room wrong. Uh, you know, I, have you got any tips for reading, reading the room? Yeah, so here, here's the real advice, Cool Raj. You want to do that work before the presentation begins, so it becomes undeniable that everyone loves your presentation. Let me give you a practical example of what I mean here. So in my case, I've, I've tried so many stories. A lot of them have flopped. Some of them have well. But there's one story that always works uh, every single time. 
And the story is about me. Like when I was younger, the whole piece around my left arm and the surgery and struggling to communicate, which is all real, obviously. But the reason that works all the time is because it doesn't matter if my audience is a five-year-old girl or a 50-year-old executive. They look at me and they go, oh, well, if Brendan went through all of that and he could be a great speaker, I could be one too. But I don't care about reading the room because I know it works. So it doesn't change the tonality of how I present that information because I've already pre-prepped it. So what does that mean? That means the goal for all of us as speakers is to actually remove the guesswork from the show, from the show day. When you go watch a Broadway show, you don't sit there and they're like improvising on the spot. They already know all of the acts and everything's going to work just fine because they've already oiled that machine. So how does that now apply to everyday people? How that applies to everyday people, Kuraj, is I would encourage everybody listening to this podcast to find one presentation that you would be passionate about delivering for fun, just a lot of times. So in your case, it's going to be a presentation about your podcast and why did you start it? Why is the Think Podcast so exciting for you? And that's a, po a presentation you could repeat to a bunch of different communities over and over and over again and tips on how to be a better podcast host. So it's just finding that repeatable presentation and doing it like clockwork. And also I think I, think I need to pick out something that you said there remove the guesswork right so are you saying that um if i know what my audience is going to be like what the you know what, what the panel or what the audience is going to be like before try and figure out what will these people find the most interesting essentially great follow-up great follow-up so here's, here's what i'll say so there's two caveats to this one is this is why i'm a big advocate of keeping the same topic throughout Right? So like for me, I don't go on another podcast and talk about something that's not communication, unless people want to know about my personal life, which is totally cool. Yeah. I'm very open about that. But, you know, most people have me on the show to talk about, you know, communication. But because the topic is consistent, I can create effort in the back end before the show begins to make sure that when I get a question that I won't know the answer, like to make sure that I do know, like that I know everything ahead of time and obviously you're going to make mistakes along the way no one's going to be perfect 100 percent of the time i always get asked one question that i've never thought of before from every podcast host but the point that i'm driving here cool raj is by keeping the topic consistent the guesswork will be removed because you know the topic will land so it's not about changing your topic every time it's just about customizing the same topic to a specific audience which simply means in my opinion to put more legwork to getting to know them so there's a couple of ways to do this one is you ask the organizer of the event if you could just talk to a couple of people in the audience but honestly the easiest way to do that is to just show up a few hours before the your presentation and just talk and i did that when i was younger as well when i used to keynote in front of like 15 year old girls and boys I would just show up an hour early and have breakfast with them and just talk to them. And I might not be able to implement it, all of it right away, but those lessons I'll apply to the next presentation. And that's how we need to see it. It's not about how do I get this one presentation solid, but more how do I make sure the evolution of my presentation is solid. That's really good advice. Show up a little bit earlier. See if you can figure out your audience. I like that. You, you, you've done a lot of work on trying to figure speakers out. Um, on your YouTube channel, you've got, tons of breakdowns of um, different types of speakers, what makes them great. First questions, who's your, um, who's your favorite speaker? Uh, of all the analysis that you've done, who do you think 
that person knows how to do it. I mean, to be honest, Kulraj, as you know, you probably know my answer. It's very subjective. Right? I'm probably the combination of like hundreds of different speakers. If I had to pick the best one for me, but most people wouldn't consider this person the best speaker in the world, it's Gary Vaynerchuk. Like, I think Gary has done a great job with this brand, the way he communicates ideas. But a lot of communication coaches would disagree with me. They'd say, oh, the guy's really aggressive. He swears a lot. But I think for me, a communication, which is a very unique definition, is three parts. How do we get someone to listen to our ideas? How do we get someone to take action on our ideas? And how do we get someone to share our ideas? And Gary's clearly a master of all three. The people who want to listen to him, listen to him. And people take action. You ask anybody on social media, what got you into YouTube? Gary. Like Gary's the guy who told me, why did I get on TikTok? Gary. Why did I do this? Gary. It's, there's literally nobody else that comes to mind. He's the reason. He just kept yelling at me for two years. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I got to do it. So I got moved into action. And the third piece that I nailed, which I'm doing right now, is I'm sharing his ideas with other people on yeah. a podcast. Yeah. And that's really what Gary has done well in all three. When, when you're doing your breakdowns of other people, because I'm trying to figure out what is it, how you have a great way of breaking down other people and sharing their sort of skills and talents through your videos, right? Now, how do you go about dissecting them? to i mean what is it that you what is it that you pick and look for so that we can do the same if we find a great speaker and we want to kind of pick their skills how do you do it that i think that's the best question i've ever gotten asked so so great great question man no one asked me that so so here's the way i approach it which is different than most people i'm looking for uncommon truths so essentially what i do is whenever I study, because my analysis videos are very different than others, because mine's a lot more technical. So let's say a lot, another person might say, might focus more on the technique. Oh, the person, that, the way this person pauses is really unique, the way this person does. I didn't want to go that approach because all of the best speakers do that well. So I wanted to make the video a unique representation of that specific speaker. And it's not always possible, but essentially what I'm looking for from every speaker is what are the three uncommon truths that that person does really, really well that we can only learn from that speaker, which is a very difficult frame to work from, by the way. That's why I haven't featured a lot of speakers. I think I only feature like 13 of them a year because it takes me so long to figure out what that uncommon truth is. Because I'm watching, like sometimes I'm watching three to five of their keynotes and I'm pulling it out. And I, by the way, I've forgotten a lot of them. So I don't know a lot of them. I'm trying to like figure out an example. I would say one, from Gary that I, I bring up and I do remember is the idea of care about your audience so much that it hurts. So what Gary V does, it's very unique than other speakers. He's a lot more closer to the customer than any other professional speaker in the world. So even with all of his success, like VCon is a great example of this, which I didn't mention in the video because VCon was after I posted it, which is his annual conference that he runs for his NFT collect, uh, collection. What happened that a lot of people don't know, he actually took like 4,000 selfies. And this is not wow. an exaggeration. Like this is not like he, he met like four, like he actually sat there for 10 hours straight and just like took selfies with everybody for like three days. It was insane. So, so that level of insanity, most people just don't fathom. And I'm trying to emulate it, but like it's crazy. Yeah. Gary V's a breed. But because of that, he knows so much more about his customer, which is us, 
than yeah. any other speaker. So his message is way better than every other speaker because it hits us right in the gut. Ah, oh, shit, he's right. I'm not posting because my mom doesn't love me. Like, he's right. So, I mean, my, love, my mom loves me. But the point is... Is is that's what Gary does so well, and he's he's he always hits the bullseye because of that. I've got a question that just came to mind, but before I do, let me go back a step. Uncommon truth. What do you mean by uncommon truth? Right. So so this might be a little bit too complicated for your audience, but let me. I I think I think based on the question, they'll you can probably handle it. So I read this book. Okay. This I don't read a lot of books. Okay. I'm not I'm not I'm not a reader, which is funny. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I, I'm not a big reader. And there's a book called Peter Thiel, Peter Thiel's Zero to One, which I highly recommend if you haven't read already. And basically, Peter is the founder of PayPal, which is obviously the payments company. Then he went on to start Palantir and all of it. But what's interesting about the book, and I've read it twice and I read it every three to five years because it's my Bible of how to change the world, is basically the, the number of people who worked at PayPal, Kuraj, an, a very high number of them went on to all build billion-dollar startups. Like almost all of them did, which is very odd because it's already impossible to build a startup, yet yeah. a very really odd number of people who went on to do that. For example, Reed Hastings worked at PayPal. He built LinkedIn. Jeffrey Stoppelman worked at PayPal. He built Yelp. David Sachs for Yammer. Elon for SpaceX. Like not a lot of people know this. So basically the reason I bring all of this up, Cool Raj, is the purpose of the book is to help us understand how they change the world. How do you build the future? And there was a question that answers your question that I've been pondering about since I've heard it. And I will continue to do that for the rest of my life. And the question is, what is the truth that you believe in that most people disagree with you on? So what's something that you believe to be true about the world that most people think is false? And what he argues is that most great startups, great inventions, great innovations, they come from secrets that most people think is false, that a small group of people think is really true. Example, Airbnb. Yeah, so here's what you're going to do, Cool Raj. You're going to sleep at strangers' houses and you're going to pay them for it. That sounds a little bit weird, a little bit less in the Indian community, but still, like, uh, we do that for free. Like, we don't pay. And it ended up becoming a massive startup. So anyways, long-winded answer to just say that Chris Doe defines value as tell me something I don't already know. So the idea is to make a list of all the insights of anything or any business, any speaker, and just figure out what are the three things that I think most people wouldn't catch on, and that's what goes in the video. So... <clears throat> What do you believe that other people don't? So taking that back to speakers, um, the uncommon truth uh, that you look for is what do they do differently that's very unique to um, them that you don't really see anywhere else? Correct. Yeah, yeah, okay. The question I was going to ask you was um, about knowing your customer, right? Because it strikes me, Gary V spends, you know, three days straight with you know taking 4000 selfies that's how he knows us so well right now so the average person who you know <clears throat> their their job is maybe in business development or something um or they have to give presentations academic presentations maybe or, or whatever it may be something really useful for them then is to know their customer spend that time developing that understanding of their customer you got any tips for anyone who wants to kind of you know know their customers so they can really practice and understand you you said something earlier you know you you would um show up an hour early 
uh, maybe have like, you know, breakfast with your audience or something like that. Outside of that, anything you can suggest? Absolutely. I would say the easiest way to think about this cool Raj, because nothing replaces a conversation. You know, some people might say at this point, you know, send them a survey, ask them questions. I don't think it's as effective as people think. And the reason I, I don't think that is because it misses the emotional reaction of your end user. Example, when I started Master Talk, remember, I was just a 22 year old kid, right? I didn't have any clients or a business. I just wanted to help people make these YouTube videos because I felt nobody was creating them. So I sat down with the 20 people that I felt would watch my YouTube videos, even if they were terrible. My friends, the people in that case competition program that I competed with. And I just said, what's on your mind, guys? What do you think is missing? And one of them brought up something really important. He looked at me and he said, you know, I immigrated from India or China, insert company name, country name here, and I really struggle speaking in English. How do I present in a second language? But there's two things I want to point out. One is that's a great idea for a video, which I created because I speak three languages. So I was able to do that. And nobody else, I don't, I don't know anyone else who has great thought leadership on that. But the other piece that's more important is I felt the pain. I mm. felt the pain of being in front of that person. And that's what actually later turned into the business because a lot of my clients these days are immigrants, right? They're wealthy immigrants who are in the Desi community and the Chinese community who struggle with English. So yeah. that's why they hire a speech coach and they're willing to pay top dollar. But that happened later in the business. But I'd say early, I realized really quickly that this was really important. So because of their emotional response to that tip, it's not just saying, oh, you should do a video on this. They, that made me go, that's the priority. Same thing with the speaker reel. I didn't come up with that idea, Cool Raj. I should have. Yeah. That, that's, that seems like something Brendan should come up with. No. Somebody just came up to me eight months into master talk or something like that and said, why don't you break down speakers? I go, ah, yeah, that's pretty smart. I should probably yeah. do that. So there's that piece. But besides that, I'll give you some pointers. It's asking the right questions. Let me give you my top three. One is if you had to remove something from my speech or my conversation today, what would you remove and why? I got that from Kevin Sistro, the founder of Instagram. I love this question because it forces your customer to actually give you points of improvement. Another question I like is if you had to introduce me to somebody that could help me build on my ideas further, who would you introduce me to and why? So then they would say, oh, you got to talk to this person who's exactly the person you want to work with, and they'll tell you how to sell people like them. And then another question I like as well is if you were in my shoes, how would you communicate my ideas better? Yeah. So these are questions that help you gain those insights that you wouldn't otherwise, but it's just most people, they just aren't willing to ask the questions. And then one bonus tip I'll give you is my existing clients help me sell new clients. So people don't really understand sales that well. It's very simple. Just go to the people who already bought your service and just sit down with them and go, how do I sell more people like you? Like literally ask them. How do, like, literally, John, I want to sell 20 more people like you. What should I do? And then John's just going to say, of course I'll help you, Brendan, because you changed my life. So if your product's good, they'll sit down, they'll tell you everything to change. So just do that. So empathy, try and empathize. What would you remove from how I uh, spoke today? Um, I forget number two, but number three was, um, oh, how would you communicate uh, my ideas? Um, and what was number two again, if we're summarizing it? D -d -d let me, let, even I'm forgetting it too. So the first one was, if you were in my shoes, how would you communicate my ideas better? Yes. If you had to remove something, would you, oh, and the third one, who would you introduce me to? 
who would you introduce me to? That's really good. You, uh, you've already said you're not a, uh, a big reader of books. So I, I, I was going to say, I'll tweak it a little bit. I was going to say, what's the best book? But then I'd, I'd say, what's the best resource that you've used that's helped you become a better communicator? If not a book, anything else? Absolutely. So, so funny enough, Kulraj, I will give you a book, but the reason you should take the book recommendations is because I don't read a lot of books. So that means if I recommend one, it means yeah. it's a, it's a worth your time. It so means obviously more. zero to, it means more, correct. So, so the book I'll recommend is Thirst by Scott Harrison. Scott Harrison's the CEO and founder of Charity Water. It's a nonprofit. He started to help the world gain access to clean water. So why am I bringing that book up? The reason is because I believe in my heart of hearts, Scott Harrison is one of the best storytellers on the planet. I think the guy is absolutely exceptional in the way that he conveys his ideas. But more interestingly, because he's done it in a space that's really hard to win in, the nonprofit space. Convincing people to give you money in exchange for pretty much nothing. It's literally you just get goodwill. So the way that he was able to communicate the story of Charity Water that was so compelling that people want, and he used to be a nightclub promoter of all things in New York City, I think is such a great story and worth it. In terms of the other question you asked, though, what's the best resource? You won't be happy to hear this, man, but the most important resource is doing the thing. The biggest Practice. problem that most people have is they're not booking 15 minutes in their calendar every day to do the random word exercise. Yeah. And that's really the key. The best way to speak is to speak. So I would encourage your audience to just start that journey. And for people who go like, I don't have time, I don't have 15 minutes. My only retort is you already invested 30 listening to this and you take a shower every day, hopefully. So you got 15 minutes to practice. <laughs> so you can, you, can, you can do it in the shower. Okay. So whilst books and podcasts and watching other people is great, there's no substitute for practice. Correct. Yeah, that's great. What's the worst conversation you've ever had? Um, and how did you bounce back from that? Like it just didn't go at all how you expected it to. I mean, that happens so many times, Kulraj. Yeah. It's just life. It's a numbers game. I, I think for me... I mean, there's two parts to the question, right? Podcasting and just life in general. So, so podcasting, yeah, I was on this weird show that I won't name. It was really bizarre. Like I got on the show and then he just had my face display, not the rest of my body. And, and then there's just a bunch of weird side effects that are happening. It was really bizarre. It was, that was odd. So how did I get out of it? You just push through it. I, I think, I think bad conversations are actually a great opportunity to learn. Because the only way you learn how to manage bad conversations, unfortunately, is to actually have them. Yeah. And then the other piece that I'd recommend is have a cool exit plan. So one, one easy way that I, I do this is I would just say something like, hey, it was great talking to you and, and looking forward to, to staying in touch. And then I just walk away and over time. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. So have an exit plan in mind. Yeah, look yeah. at exit plan. That's or like great. I got to run, but it was really nice talking to you and, and looking forward to staying in touch. Yeah. That's it. Good, good. Okay. That's pretty good advice. You know, exactly. Yeah, that it. works in a lot of areas in life. Well, actually, Colorado, I got to go to my next meeting, but it was really nice. <laughs> that's good. Um, cool. so, so what does a coaching plan with Master Talk look like? Right. So, so I don't talk about my coaching that much because the focus is adding value. But, but here, here's what I will say. Here's what I will yep. say is, is it's funny because remember, I, I started a business accidentally, right, Kulraj? Mm -hmm. It wasn't about like me making money because I was a consultant at IBM. I was already pretty doing well financially. Yep. So I never really understood how to turn master talking into a business. That was the biggest nut I had to crack if I wanted to do this full time and just do podcasts all day, which is what I do now, which is super fun. 
and just coaching people. And I realized that there's a very big difference between someone who watches my videos, listens to my a podcast, and somebody who invests in coaching in general. And the difference actually is that the person who watches my videos cannot afford me. Like they can't afford a coach. That's why they watch all of the videos. They'll binge like 50 videos. And that's my dream, right? That's my mission. But then there's a very small percentage of people who look at my videos and, and watch one. And they go, yeah, I don't have time to watch these videos. Like my time is so valuable. Like I'm an executive at this company. I'm a coach already coaching something else, maybe like a career coach, or I'm an entrepreneur doing six, $100,000 or more. I don't have time to watch these videos. I'm just going to hire the kid. I'm just going to hire him. So he'll just hand, hold my hand. And those are the people who ultimately uh, work with me on a private basis. That's what I found over the years. Out of curiosity, do you tend Please. to take them through a... Um... <clears throat> A structure like uh so for example i run a lot right that's my thing and um i i purchase coaching plans right and sometimes and, and and they have a very specific set do this on this day that on that day and that's how it works in a lot of like you know athletic endeavors i don't know if a, a speaking program works like that how does that how does that even work for sure for sure so so every what's interesting also Kulraj, every communication coach has their own perspective of how to get people results which i think is really interesting so some some guys going to say this some other person so i'll tell you mine mine is more about intense accountability to your point right the the reason why you invest in coaching is to save time because if i've done it for 200 people you might as well just work with the the guy who's just done it so i already know i'm not going to make mistakes like a personal trainer i'd rather just get a personal trainer than figure this out on my own because yeah. I'm accountable and they'll tell me what to do. So how we work is we curate all of the executives. So people jump on our free training. That's kind of our curation tool. It's a give back to the community. But for 5% of the people on the call, they're potential clients because they just want to see what I do. And then they'll book a call and they'll work with us. And then we interview a bunch of people so that only high level people get onto our programs. And then we, so it's all about curating the people in the group. And then the other piece is putting them through three years of communication in three months. That's basically the idea. So let's take the random word exercise. Sure, on a podcast, I'll be silly about it. Yeah, I do it once a day, I do it three times a day. Because that's that's what will relate to the the person who's listening to this podcast. Because most people don't invest in coaching. That's how my programs work, though. How my programs work is if you don't do it 100 times the first two weeks, I'll fire you. Like you're out of my ecosystem. So it's mm. a very like intense to speed up the results because an executive is super busy. So they're just like, if I got two hours a week, what should I do? Get the, get it done, meet other executives in the program network, you know, go to, go to cocktails with them, have fun with them and get the job done. So, so think of it like the same advice that I would teach on a podcast. Cause my information is free, right? It's implementation that becomes the fee. So then what happens is I'm the person, I'm the cheerleader in the back going like, Hey, have you done the random word exercise yet? No, do it now. Get on a call with me right now. We're going to do 50 in an hour. Like, uh, okay. So a lot of my business is built through word of mouth that way. So you'll basically build up the program and make sure they do whatever you tell them to do. And if they don't, then, and I, I find this is very common in the athletic world, right? If you don't do the training in the way that you're meant to, that coach doesn't want to work with you anymore. So essentially you are ejected from the program. So it's the same thing really, isn't it? Do the exercises as I'm telling you to do them. If you don't do them, I have no time Correct. to work with you. There are more people who will take your spot gladly. Yeah, I get that. You got it. Like, like think of it like this, because you're asking me a lot of nuanced questions. So I think you'd appreciate this nuanced perspective. 
but the Brendan who shows up on a podcast is a very different energy than the Brendan who shows up for his clients. Because remember, yeah. my my mission is to serve everybody in the world. That's why when you watch my YouTube videos, it's very positive, right? I'm always smiling. I got a nice suit on. I'm I'm making jokes. I look silly. Whereas with I'm with my clients, I'm like a Navy SEALs like commander. It's like if you're paying me because people pay thousands of dollars to work. This is not like a $300 program, right? So it's yeah. like, hey, if you're paying me this money, you better get your next promotion. You better get the next sale in your business yeah. or else I don't or else I don't get word of mouth either. So it's just yeah. it's just different. But not every communication coach is like me. Me, it's really like I just want to work with exceptional people and get them exceptional results. And then through that money that they pay me, I'm able to create free content for the world. Yeah, well, that makes total sense. What's something you wish you'd learned? Uh, no, actually, what's something you wish you'd done differently in your journey to becoming a, a better speaker? Speaker is different than life. So I would say uh, speaker, I wouldn't have changed much. Okay. I probably wouldn't have changed much because because remember, I got started pretty young. So yeah. I started at like 19. So mm -hmm. so I, I'm, I've, I've, I've done well age wise. I think it's more about speed of implementation. Like if I had started my YouTube channel, because I wasn't thinking that way back then. I know that sounds silly because I'm like still really young. But since you're asking me about regrets, <clears throat> if somebody had opened my mind to opportunities outside of just getting a job, then I probably would have started my YouTube channel at like 19 or 20 years old. And I would be a lot bigger today. Yeah. If I had started okay. then, because I started at 22, the YouTube channel. So that's probably the big thing. And quitting my job, I should have done it earlier. I, I quit in June 2021. So it wasn't that long ago, maybe 18 months ago. But if I had done it even earlier, I'd be way more successful in business. Okay. All right. So other than that, it sounds like you've got lots of, because you started quite young, you've managed to do the main thing, which is practice, practice, practice. No substitute for practice. Absolutely. And also keeping the main thing, the main thing. I think a lot of young people that they struggle with is a finding what that thing is. But the other challenge, which is also apparent, is once they find it, they get distracted by what Alex Hormozzi dubs as the woman in the red dress. So what he means by that is as you start focusing on one thing, a distractions come your way. Like there's other cool opportunities and a lot of people have shiny object syndrome. Whereas with me, I'm the only person that I know who has seven years of coaching experience in communication, but is only 26. But because of that, that experience is now compounded over time to become the person I am today. So at 36, if I just keep doing this, like it's, it's crazy, right? And, yeah. and I feel a lot of people don't have that meticulous focus. Shiny object syndrome. That's a real thing in many parts of life. I assure you, yes. it's like that with me in sports, right? It's like one day I want to do this, the other day I want to do that, and you don't get good at anything. You just become yeah at everything, you know. So it's uh, that's great. Is there anything else you want to say to people um, to to help them become better at um, communicating, speaking, whatever? Any any other thing you want to get out there? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I would say the other thing, Kulraj, two things. One, since we brought up shiny object syndrome, let me tie a bow on there. It's actually really simple to solve. It's through a question. If you could only accomplish three things in your life and only three, what would you want to accomplish and why? So this really helps you focus because you only pick three things now. And that makes you go, oh, but I want to do this. I want to, do... yeah, sure, you could do the other things. But if you don't do the three that you have listed there first, you can't do the others. And I'm still working on my three. Right? So I'm still not done. Even seven years of focus, I'm still not done. Maybe in 10 years, I'll be done. So that's one. That's how you focus more. And you just look at that piece of paper every day. These are the three things I want to accomplish in my life. Are, are my daily activities mirroring to those three things? Uh, no. 
because I'm doing seven different sports when I should just be doing one or whatever. So that's one. The other piece of communication is a question. And the question is simply this. How would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? You know, the biggest pet peeve I have about this industry, Cool Raj, is it's surrounded by so much negativity and stress and anxiety. Whereas for me, communication has always been about creating impact. I call it the accelerant of dreams. It doesn't matter what you want in life. Communication allows you to accelerate much faster towards that dream because you can speak to a wider group of people and you could be more visible. So I would encourage people to think about that question so that it motivates them to actually work on their communication. That's brilliant advice, especially the the three things uh, that you should really focus on. That's uh, that's pretty great. Brendan, thank you so much for coming. If people want to find you, where can they find you? Hey, the pleasure was absolutely mine, Cool Raj. This was definitely one of the few episodes where I actually had to do some mind gymnastics to answer some of your more <laughs> nuanced questions. So it's appreciated. And that's why I do them, right? Because it makes me sharper and it keeps me, keeps me on my toes. So I appreciate that, man. It was super fun. Two ways to keep in touch. The first one is the YouTube channel. Just go to Master Talk, and you'll have access to hundreds of videos on how to communicate ideas effectively. And the second way of keeping in touch is through my free communication workshop over Zoom that I do every two weeks. These are live, interactive, fun sessions that you can just jump on, turn your camera off if you want. And if you want to register for that, go to rockstarcommunicator.com. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Brendan. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure was mine.